Welcome back to the Spiritually Intimate Conversations podcast. You guys, I am your host, Blair Dreesen, and today we are having another installment in our Women's Health Healing and Connecting Deeper to Our Body series. And today's topic is a big one. It's one that is deeply important to me. And it's one that I've been getting asked a lot of questions around. When are we going to talk about this deeper on the podcast? Because I either have a lot of women who have explanted like me or looking to explant, or maybe they're looking to get breast implants or, you know, they just have a lot of questions or they have women in their lives that they have, they want to ask questions for, right. And so they can go back and maybe provide them with maybe some information. So today is all about breast implant illness, you guys. And if you haven't seen on social media lately, like I've started to see that this conversation is getting louder. There is more information coming out. There is more recognition, even within the medical community, more around this, not nearly to the level that we need it to be, but I feel like we're heading in the right direction finally. Um, but for those of you that don't know what breast implant illness is or my backstory, I'll give you just like a snippet. I don't want to go too much into it because we're obviously going to have my guest. She's going to share all of the things because she's more the expert in this. I'm just going to share my lived experience. So I had my X plant in July of 2020 and I had had my implants in for 15 plus years. I want to say, um, I can never really remember the, the actual like time frame, but it was a long time. And when I had my implants put in, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, I was feeling a lot of pressure around feeling to look better and just feel better in my body. I had lost a lot of weight from my first pregnancy. My boobs did not look you know, the same. And I was just like, I just want somebody to fill them in and to look better. And so, you know, it was really about like, I felt like it was this, this empowering thing. And what I didn't really realize though, is that a lot of that though was coming from some woundage and traumas around just like my own body dysmorphia, eating disorders, things like that, that I just really wasn't focusing on. I was looking at it more like, Oh, I'm just going to do this to make my, my, myself feel better. Right. And I mean, I felt better for a little bit and, you know, I liked how I looked, um, but I still was never fully ever happy. And I think that that's what I really realized was that it never made me feel still better about my body. I didn't like automatically be like, oh my God, all, you know, now I just love my body. Now it just, that never happened. Um, but what started to happen is I started having lots of weird symptoms and I started getting really sick. And I noticed now that I look back, I was getting sick very early on. I just was equating it to a lot of things. Like I started to go through a divorce. I was now a single mom of a very small child. I was living States away from my home state. I was work. I was having to work outside the home in the middle of the night. So my sleep rhythms were off. I was, you know, inside, um, nightclubs that had like a lot of smoke. And I, you know, I was just, I was equating all of these things to a lot of other external factors. I never would have thought it was because of my breasts. And over the years, I had a lot of different health issues pop up. I had a hysterectomy in 2016. I had 18 inches of my colon removed. I had, um, all sorts of just gut problems, um, lots of, lots of things. And the more that things started just like fires in my system started brewing, I'm going to the doctor and, you know, I'm just getting sent to every single different specialist and stuff. And nobody's being able to really pinpoint or figure it out. It's always like, 
oh, it's because you're not on birth control. So, you know, you need to be on birth control, but, or you, you know, it's just because you're getting older or, oh, it's just, you know, normal stuff. Right. And so it wasn't until I started hearing about breast impound illness, probably about like, I don't know, four or five years ago, um, maybe longer that all of a sudden everything started clicking, like everything on the list. I was like, oh my God, I have that. I have that. I have that. I have that. Um, that things started just kind of falling into place. And so July, finally, 2020, I went in and had my explant done. And now I'm in the process of healing my body from having my implants in for as long as I did. So we can obviously talk more about this. I feel like I could even do a whole episode of just me sharing, but I really want to go into our guest. Um, her name is Jenny Branco, and she is a part of a wonderful Instagram community called Toxic Boobs. It's toxic.boobs. And I can't even really remember. I think they had started following me or I had started following them around the time that I was really heavily sharing my explant journey. And, um, I just really was loving what they're sharing. And then they started doing a podcast and I immediately reached out to them. And I was like, I really feel like I would love for you guys to come on and talk about this more in depth. So Jenny, I would love for you to first, just like share with us, like who you are and your background, um, and how you got started, you know, helping support women with breast implant illness. Sure. So thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So I am an RN by trade. I have been for over 10 years and I, I did all the things, you know, I worked in orthopedics, trauma, dialysis, but my final stop in the traditional medical world was in plastic surgery, which will come full circle at the end here in a minute. But, um, I had my own health journey, like many of us do who get into holistic wellness or integrative health, functional medicine, whatever you want to call it. And I, I was 28. It was about a year after my first son. And I got all of these mystery symptoms out of like nowhere, essentially is what I felt like, you know, it starts with the bloating, acne, headachey every day. And you just brush it off. Like you said, you know, you're tired, you're a mom, you're working. There's just like so many things gaining weight. And then it snowballs, right? I'm like, I can't eat anything. I'm I've put on 20 pounds. I don't even know how I didn't change anything. I've got rosacea and I'm just exhausted doctors labs. All the things are normal. And they're like, Hey, you might have some anxiety, take an antidepressant. You're supposed to be tired. You're a mom. And again, you're getting older and all the things to tell me it was, it was normal gaslighting. Right. And so I go down the Google rabbit hole and I'm up at 3am because I can't sleep. And I'm trying to just figure out what's wrong with me because nobody can tell me. And so I start listening to this naturopathic doctor and he's talking all about his certification program and how he gets people well. And I'm like, you know what? I'm getting myself better. I'm done. So I just like dive in both feet. I get certified in integrative health. I'm now an integrative practitioner and I just start implementing. Like, why do I feel this way? What is the why behind my symptoms? And I discover I had things like SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, mm-hmm. yeast overgrowth, estrogen dominance, hormones are all over the place. My thyroid was off, even though it didn't show on labs and all these things, right? I finally start to feel like me again. And I'm like, I cannot work in the traditional medical community at this point. Like 
I've been an RN for years and I couldn't even help myself. And doesn't mean I hate medicine or anything like that. It just, it felt short for me and I needed to help other women. So fast forward, I stay working in plastic surgery. I'm watching women get implants in, tummy tucks, do all the things. And a lot of women are coming back years down the road and they're starting to question. I I think my implants are making me sick. And this was a few years ago before BII really became a, a mainstream topic. And, you know, the surgeon, no ill intent. He was just like, I don't think that's it. You know, he didn't know he wasn't educated in that he puts implants in for a living. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, also seeing women come to the plastic surgery office and asking for surgery as a means to fix how they were feeling in other ways. Like you said, a tummy tuck, but because I can't stop gaining weight instead of figuring out, well, why is that happening in the first place. So I end up leaving the practice. I open up my own, you know, wellness practitioner, um, health consulting business. And then myself and Christine find each other. And she's the founder of glow holistics and toxic boobs. And she tells me her story and I'm like, this is the perfect match. Like I've seen women on that end. I can walk you through the process of what that looks like. And we both decided that we wanted someone there to hold our hands and tell us you're going to be okay. This is what you need to do. Your symptoms are valid. You're not crazy. Yes. The things you're feeling are real and true. And this is how we get well. We will hold your hand and we will help you so that you can stop Googling at 3am and you can spend time with your family or doing the things you love. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. So that's a pretty long answer to who I am and what I do and how I got to be here, but that's it. I love that. So share a little bit. I think probably the first thing is to actually share like, what is breast implant illness for women that don't really know what that means? Yeah, of course. So breast implant illness is, it's really an umbrella term. I like to say for just like a wide variety of symptoms that women can experience after they've gotten implants put in, whether that be for aesthetic reasons or reconstructive, that does not matter. And the symptoms are potentially, I'm going to put that in air quotes, Mm -hmm. caused by an immune reaction to a foreign object in the body could be the implant itself, just being there or the silicone or, you know, the heavy metals, that are present in an implant, but it's an immune reaction saying, Hey, this doesn't belong here. I don't like this in my body. So that's essentially what breast implant illness is. Okay. And then the interesting thing is, so I get this question, people ask me this a lot, or, and I remember when I went in and had my implants put in, you know, because at the time I remember there was this huge debate between like, which ones are safer, you know, um, because I remember like there was the gummies that there was like a big trend of those. And so I was, I think coming like right off of that, right. Where they recognized that maybe those weren't the best because they were having issues. Right. Um, and I don't even know how long those had been on the market, but you know, the big push when I went in was these, the saline, Right. That he, and he was just like, these are the, the safest, the best ones to put in your body. You know, he's telling me all the reasons why it's so safe for me. 
um, because it's saline. So is there really a safe -er or safe implant in terms of saline versus silicone? Short answer. No. Yeah. <laughs> long answer. Let me tell you why. And I want to hear the long answer. <laughs> Short answer. No, but breast implant illness can occur with any type of implant. And now being on, having been on the inside, I would hear plastic surgeons say, you don't have to worry about it. Just like you said, especially, um, saline ones there, the saline is protected by a double lumen outer layer shell is like the, the quote I would always hear. And so it's very difficult to rupture. Nothing's going to get into your body unless an implant ruptures, even with silicone, that's what we would hear. I'm um, saline implants are going to get pushed as the healthier alternative. And they always have because they're not filled with silicone and saline is a natural salt water solution. So you're going to be told that that's the same solution that's inside of your body. So it's perfectly safe. Here's where the trouble comes in. Even saline implants are made with a silicone outer shell. No matter what you're getting silicone in your body. And even if we take that a part of the equation out, you're having a foreign object put in your body that doesn't belong there. So to go back to, it's only a problem if it ruptures well, research now shows us that these toxic little particles can actually escape from the implant, whether it's whole or not these tiny little particles. And that can be, um, platinum. It can be little pieces of silicone, little pieces of plastic. All these things are going to trigger immune reactions in your body. Cause they're, they're toxins. They're not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is that implants are a perfect breeding ground for bacteria mold, yeast. It's a wet environment in this little pocket, right? So, so many things can happen with implants. There's just not a safer alternative. They are what they are. And if you choose to get them, that's fine, but it needs to be an informed decision. Yeah. And I feel like that's the key thing here is to have better informed conversations. Because when I think back on the conversation I had with my with my plastic surgeon, I'm like, wow, that really was kind of manipulative in so many ways. Like there were so many instances where it was just him. I mean, he kept pressing, it needs to be bigger. You'll, you know, it, you need to go bigger. And I was like, I don't want to go any bigger though, than what would look natural and normal for my body. Like I really, I would just try to explain to him. I was like, it just needs to fill up the, you know, the pouch that's, that's, that's hanging here. Cause I get literally, I was just like, kind of take my boobs. Like, can you see this? <laughs> like how they're hanging and moving. <laughs> can we just like fill that up a little bit? And it was just like this push to go bigger. It was this heavy sell to me that, so I actually, um, at the time I didn't realize my, how high my risk was for, um, for, uh, breast cancer. I already knew my mom had had breast cancer. Um, but since now I actually am, um, I fall in the, you know, high risk category now. Um, and so I have to be obviously, you know, be seen a lot more and just, you know, have things checked a lot more. Cause I do have some, um, some areas of concern usually, you know, um, but, uh, I remember him when I told him this that I was like, oh, my mom had breast cancer, like, and he was like, oh, 
implants actually are safer or better for you to have them put in. Like he sold me that it would be better for me to have them in because then I would touch my breasts more. And because of that, I would find a mass far sooner than a woman who didn't have implants and having my implants under the muscle would push more of my breast tissue out forward. And I would be able to manipulate and feel more of my breast tissue. So this was the whole sales pitch that I received. So hearing that I would love for you to explain <laughs> how maybe incorrect that might be for someone if they're hearing that. Yes. Yes. So there's a lot of talk on only women who have, you know, genetic predisposition to autoimmune illnesses will end up with, you know, breast implant illness if they get implants, or like you just said, well, if you're prone to breast um, cancer anyway, then you want to get that tissue out or you want to have it. No, (laughs) just no, (laughs) here's the thing. We all have genetic predispositions to all different things. We're all different. We could literally live you and I the same exact lifestyle and throw all the toxins in our body. And at the end of 10 years, we are going to have completely different diseases, right? Because that's just how genetics works. And so the big thing that I really try and drive home for women is like, let's forget about genetics for a second. Okay. Let's just, let's forget about that. Your nutrition, your lifestyle choices can actually flip genes on or off. That is how powerful our nutrition environment and lifestyle choices are. So for you, you have a history of breast cancer. Does that mean live in fear? You're going to get breast cancer, get the implants anyway. No, 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 no. Right. That means Let's make sure we reduce the amount of toxins in your nutrition, in your lifestyle, in your environment, so that your genes, your genetics are all functioning, functioning properly. We end up with diseases and symptoms when our body is overburdened with toxins. It can no longer keep up. It can no longer compensate and function like it's supposed to. So in your case where a surgeon is just like, they're using it as a sales pitch. I just, I caution us all to just step back and remember the basics, which is really hard to do when you're in that situation, because these are medical professionals. They're so smart. They went to school for so many years and they're experts in their field. Right. And you're standing there, you're questioning whether you should get them trust your gut, right? That. That's what we all need to do and get better at. It's not our fault though, right? We're being gaslighted left and right. And then you have women who are standing there questioning whether they have BII on the other end of the spectrum. And they're being told, no, you don't have autoimmune, um, you know, predispositions in your health history. No, you don't have to worry about that. Go back to the basics. Do I feel right? No, stick with that and then keep questioning why. Why don't I feel right? What is causing my symptoms? Why am I questioning getting these implants if I have a history of breast cancer? Like, listen to that, right? Just don't let anyone change your mind or get you to an answer that you don't feel comfortable with. It's such a good reminder, this whole advocating for yourself and your health. 
And we talked about this a couple episodes back. So if that's something that you're listening to this and you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you go back to that one because we really dig into like, how do you begin advocating for yourself? What are the red flags when you're sitting in a, in a, um, in a doctor's office and how to really just like what you're saying, right? Like take a step back and like, I know my body. And if I don't feel well and something feels off to have somebody else tell you that that's not your lived experience, that's a red flag. You should have medical professionals listening to you and valuing your experience and be understanding that there's something obviously wrong and you're not well. And the job is to, you know, get to the root cause so that you can get, you know, the proper protocols in place for your overall health and well-being. Um, so when you're talking about two like symptoms and how you're saying like, oh, well, you're not predisposed for that. Or I even heard you say within your own story that, you know, certain levels were off, but they're not showing on labs. Right. Um, and I'm learning more about this as I've been working with my natural path, how, you know, labs can look one way, but that doesn't mean, you know, that, you know, that how things are being regulated in your own body within your own system could be, you know, dysregulated and the communication links can be off. So can you kind of explain that piece a little bit more in terms of just like, you know, symptoms and um, maybe warning signs that women aren't recognizing could be, you know, from implants? Sure. That's really blood work and the discrepancies is one of my favorite things to talk about because it's usually a part of, I mean, 90% of women that I talk to's journey that they Mm -hmm. go to the doctor, they get their blood done and it's all normal, but they don't feel well. And they know there's something wrong. So like, what do we do from there? So, um, just a little tidbit on why that happens is because our body is always trying to achieve balance or homeostasis you'll hear or equilibrium. And our blood is the last thing to be affected when we have a disease or leading up to a disease. So our blood work is set up in a way that you can be functionally low or functionally high and still not be shooting off any red flags. And it's not until basically you get diagnosed with a disease that, okay, now the numbers are high enough. Now let's do something about it. And it's usually a pill, right? That's usually a, a prescription at that point. So The answer to that is number one, don't ever, like we just talked about, you don't need to accept that. This is your health. You never stop asking why, if you don't feel right, keep digging. There's someone out there that will listen to you and help you. But one thing that I do with our clients is something called specialty functional medicine labs. And they actually look at your body system by system. One quick example is something called a hair tissue mineral analysis or HTMA for short. And that's just going to look at some strands of your hair. And it's going to look at, do you have heavy metals present in your body? Are your mineral levels off? And that matters because those are like spark plugs for your entire body as an example. And they're usually thrown off by stress implants, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you're, if that's not functioning, right. Or if you have higher low levels of minerals, for example, that could tell me that your thyroid is functionally functioning low, even if it's normal on blood work, um, you might feel fatigued if you don't have enough copper, zinc, magnesium, whatever it is. So it's like detective work, which is really nice. And there are alternative labs that can get you more answers. And there's all different types 
There's some for gut health, hormone health, omegas. So there are answers. So just want to throw that tidbit in there that there are other things you can look at. Now, some, can I also add it before you go on? I feel like as you were explaining that, I feel like it's also really imperative to recognize that doctors work off of like these ranges, right? It's like what you were saying and everybody's like, you're in normal range, but it's like, what, what is really normal, right? Because what could be of the norm may not be normal for your body and your body system. And so it can be kind of a slippery slope when we're looking at just a flat range versus what, like what you're saying, right? Not only are you doing more in-depth labs, but you're also kind of looking probably how all the, all of the numbers are playing together and somebody's overall system on top of what their symptoms are. So it's not just like, oh, these are the ranges, but then if their symptoms are, are looking like this and maybe their, their range, what is considered normal is that's not normal for them. So it really, they're actually low or they're actually really high. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. I usually use the example that, you know, a man who is six foot three and 200 and something pounds has the same range as, you know, a man, a small, you know, a, I don't know, 19 year old man who is five foot seven and 120. Their normal is the same. It's the same range. It's kind of silly. So if you are someone who's had a lot of blood work done over the years, most of us aren't taught this again, let's keep a portfolio on ourselves. Let's not let the doctor's health history or portal or whatever it is, keep all that information. This is your body. This is your health. You can ask for your labs every time you go. That's your information. I really encourage people to keep a folder and what do you do with that folder? Well, if there was a time in your life where you were feeling really spot on and all you have is blood work, that's fine. Your numbers are probably going to look different, even if they're normal when you're not feeling so great. And they might still be considered normal at that point, but then you can actually start to see your own health detective. When I was feeling awesome, even though my number was within a normal range, it was this. And when I was feeling pretty shitty, it was this. So <laughs> even though the doctor says it's normal, there's a big discrepancy there. And not that you need to be, you know, figuring out your own health issues. There are people out there, but if you want to be able to be more of a detective in your own health, that's one way to do it. I love that. Um, so I did want to touch on, you asked before some of the earlier kind of signs that start creeping in Yes, and you might be surprised or you might not, because I know you went through this, but they're pretty they're pretty standard. <laughs> it's just an awful word. They're pretty common symptoms. You know, it's fatigue all of a sudden. Uh, Christine, if you've ever heard her story, will say she could sleep for like 10 hours a day, take naps during the day, sleep at night. And it was never enough. You're just so tired. Um, the brain fog, all of a sudden you can't focus. You're not remembering things like you used to oh, some headaches joint pain, especially in the back radiating to your shoulders. Um, the hair starts to thin, you're shedding more than usual. Um, you get sick and your cold lasts way longer than it ever would. You're like, I can't get rid of this thing. What's going on? Um, you know, swollen lymph nodes, maybe in the groin area, the armpit along the neck, um, un unexplained rashes. All of a sudden you've got these random, um, skin issues. IBS can develop, 
Um, and then it, it can look like other things too, right? So some women will think they had autoimmune um, disease or a thyroid issue when in reality, it's their immune system has been put on overdrive because it's constantly trying to respond to the stress of these implants in their body. So um, I would love to say that there's like this one symptom and okay, now you have BII, but unfortunately that's why at the beginning I said it's an umbrella term because it covers this just like wide range of symptoms that a lot of times look like other things. Yeah. And then if you're going in and you're having lab work done and other things aren't popping up, then it's just kind of starting to get dismissed, 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 dismissed. And much like what you were saying, it's like, I was going in all the time and doctors, uh, they were starting to treat me like the difficult patient because like, here she is again. Right. And like what you said is I remember thinking like, why am I getting like this? I never used to get like this sick or I used to never be sick for this long or, um, things started, I, I started getting a lot of like, um, things with my lungs. Like I was getting like bronchitis and like really, really nasty cases of bronchitis. And I would be down for like a month and I'd be so sick. Um, and again, it was just like one of those things they just kind of just fluffed it off for, you know, whatever reason. And I, then I kind of fluffed it off, but it was just this continual patterns of, getting sick and not being able to fully get well again. And, um, what I think would be great to share on is for those women who have identified, okay, this is breast implant illness. I'm ready to move forward and get the explant. Um, I feel like there's two sections here that I want to talk about. I wrote them down. So I did not forget <laughs> when we are getting ready to explant in terms of like finding the right surgeon and getting things done. I know that there is question around the correct way in which to explant for the optimal like well-being of your health and, and proper removal. So, like, can you share a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So we are all for, for the M-block method with a total capsulectomy. In English, that means ask them, I would ask for those words because they should know what that means. If they are your ideal surgeon, you want to make sure that they are someone who just does explants. They're not putting in implants. Cause I feel like that's kind of a biased position to, to be in. Um, and that they have experience with this method. If that is the way that you choose to go. The reason that's important is the implant comes out and the entire capsule and capsule tissue, which is the tissue that forms around the implant is removed as well. That's important because you want it all to come out in one unit. If it doesn't, if it's broken up into pieces, the tissue is cut through, the capsule is cut through, you are at risk for further contamination. Contamination from what's in the implant, like the silicone or the saline, and maybe that's grown that yeast or mold or bacteria we were talking about. Or if you're already experiencing symptoms, now you've got this silicone that's spilled out into your body, which we already talked about has, you know, some heavy metals, some carcinogenic cancer causing um, components to it, all these things. So if you're already feeling symptoms, do we really want that stuff leaking out into our body to just exacerbate things? If you're not, and you're like, I'm not feeling symptoms. I just want them out as a precaution. Well, maybe you don't want that stuff leaking out into your body because now maybe you 
will have symptoms way worse than you would have before. Um, the other thing is if this capsule or the tissue stays in your body, the surgeon that I actually used to work for did this. And again, no hard feelings. There was no ill intent. He just, he was not a BII specialist. So he would take the implants out if he wanted, but then he would say the capsule will reabsorb. There's no data to support that, um, you know, into your body. And the other thing is that he has to squish that capsule down when he closes you up. What happens when that capsule is squished down is any contamination that was in there, any infection, virus, whatever, that's now again, spread out through your body if it wasn't already. So this can keep you from getting better at all. If you've got these things staying in your body, your immune system is still going to react to that or not allow you to get better to the degree that you may have before. So in summary, we want end block method with a total capsulectomy. Okay. So what what do you suggest then for the women who don't have that? So I'll, I'll be honest, right? I knew this going into it and I sat down with my surgeon and he very nice, very kind. And he, you know, he was like, I do my best to remove everything that I can, you know, there he's like, I never want to guarantee that I'm going to be able to remove all of anything because I don't know what it could look like when I get in there your implant could be attached to, because he knew mine was under, you know, my muscle. And he said it could be, some of it could be attached to your chest wall. And we want to be very careful in and around that area. Cause there's a lot of, you know, risks involved. And he went through all of those risks and explained them to me, but he had, he was like, I just don't recommend going in and immediately doing end block. That was his suggestion. We talked everything over. I went ahead and felt comfortable just going ahead and moving forward. Um, but I didn't get my implants returned to me. So I don't know what they look like because they weren't removed in whole. He explained to me that there was not, it was very thin capsules, very, not a whole lot to remove. So there's some question there even for me. Okay. But did I have enough removed? Is there something still left? Could this be why maybe, um, I'm still, you know, I know there's a detox period, which I definitely want you to talk about as well, but could this be hindering that in any way? So for those women who have explanted and they're in my boat, like what would be maybe potentially next steps for them? Sure. So there are things that are going to be out of our control. And that situation is a perfect example. You've already had them out. Does that mean you'll never get better? No, right. You did what you could in that moment and what you knew to the best of your ability. So the next step is let's reduce toxins from every other aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. And I say this even to the women that might not be able to get their implants out at all. Like that's an added expense, right? Or they can't for a long time. This is one of like the biggest myths um, I see or biggest misunderstandings, I guess, with BII is that like, now I can do nothing, right? And we're just like, we're paralyzed. Um, And I'm not judging anyone for it, but it's just like, everyone says I need to get my implant out or I need to get the entire capsule out and I didn't, and now I'm never going to get better. No, 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 right? There's still stuff we can do. So we know that that's, that's toxins, that's heavy metals, that's an issue, whether you have the implant or the capsule or whatever your situation is. So what do we do next? I would focus on toxins coming in. Whatever you can control, that's what we're gonna hyper-focus on. Nutrition, number one for everybody, and I don't care what situation you're in or like what point of your journey you're in. Let's focus on 
organic whole foods for the most part, not everything. No one eats everything organic. That's silly. You know, let's focus on the dirty dozen and the clean 15. Let's focus on um, taking out highly refined oils that are literally cancer causing, you know, let's not do that. Let's focus on whole unprocessed foods for the most part, right? Because let's not obsess over it either. Let's find that middle ground as much as we can, because again, 90% of disease is caused by stress in the body. So if you're stressed out about the way you're eating, that's not beneficial to anybody either. So let's focus on whole unprocessed foods as much as we can in every food group, right? We need carbs. We need proteins. We need healthy fats. Let's get back to basics. Then let's look at our environment. Your skin is going to absorb every single thing that you put on it. It is porous. Everything's going to come in and go into your bloodstream. So let's look at those hormone disrupting chemicals in your skincare, the parabens, uh, the, or even the BPA in your plastic jars in your kitchen. Let's look there. These are all things we can control, right? There are toxins in our air. We can't live in a bubble. Let's get an air filter. <laughs> um, let's, we can't stop showering. There's toxins in our shower. Let's get a water filter. Like let's do the things we can control to reduce our toxic overall burden. And I promise you, you will feel at least 80% better just by doing those things because most women are not going to want to go back in and get a second surgery. And that's the other option. Can you? Sure. Do you want that expense? I don't know. You might, you might want to, but if you can't, these are the first absolute steps I would take. And that doesn't even have to do with going through some big detox protocol. Now, if you've done all those things, and you're like, I still don't feel better. I've done all the right things. There's something wrong with me. No, there is not, right? Let's talk about that root cause. Why don't you feel better? Now let's maybe explore some of those specialty functional medicine tests I was talking about because you could, you had these implants in for a long time and they can, or not, you could have had them in for a short time. They can alter things in our body, like our gut function. Maybe you have bacterial or yeast overgrowth in your gut. Maybe your hormones are off. There are other things, other protocols we can do to get you feeling better, even if you still have your implants or you still have some capsule left over. So there are answers. I love all that. I think just continuing to remind women that there are answers, there is support, there's always, you know, ways, different ways um, than maybe we're normally you know, taught or talked about to support the body. Um, and I think it's a good reminder too, that the things that you were saying too, like this isn't important, even for women that they, they have the M block, they have everything removed is a proper detox of the body. And like what you were saying, like it can go, you don't have to do everything all at once. It can be like little things here and there. And I know that that's what a lot of this last year for me has really been, Um, I think that that's a huge, you know, myth or misunderstanding that women think I'm just going to get these implants out and then I'm just going to be feeling better. And sometimes like, I remember post-surgery, I did, I mean, it was the best I've ever felt after, after surgery. I mean, and I've had some surgeries and I remember my oldest came home from work and he looked at me and was like, I thought you had surgery today. Cause I was like sitting up in bed, just like really great (laughs) mood, like super, he was like, what is going on here? I was like, I feel amazing. 
Right. Um, and I felt really good in the very beginning, but then like slowly, you know, I started to not feel well and I just kind of having some things. And, you know, this last year, it kind of all came to a head over the summer. Um, and I had EBV with, you know, mono and that's when I saw the natural path. And she was just like, I think what, you know, getting the implants out was step one but you had so many fires going in your system. It's not like your body could just automatically be like, oh, okay, now we know how to operate better. It had been operating so out of alignment for so long, it needed the extra support, right? And so like, that's what I've been doing is a lot of these things, eliminating out certain toxins, getting in the, you know, the correct nutrition for my body specifically, um, and just like doing a detox process. So like what, when it comes to like detoxing after an explant or, um, just like the recovery process in general, like what's a, a time, cause everybody asks, what's the time frame? How long should I be detoxing for? Like when, you know, when's the, like the end goal, like that I'm shooting for. Cause I've heard lots of different numbers, like, you know, Oh, it takes so many months for how many years you've had them in, like all sorts of, of things. So, yeah, it's that's like one of the toughest questions I get. I'll be <laughs> transparent and completely honest because it is so dependent on where were you health wise before you got these implants in, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, the implants are a huge piece, and my goodness, I am not denying that, but everyone's so different. We're all at different places in our lives, different toxic burdens. So for myself, you heard me at the beginning say, I felt like I woke up with these symptoms overnight. Well, now we know that that's not true, right? That's not how that happens. And so you really need to, you just touched on this beautifully. Think about you had so many fires going, there's not going to be a magic number. And people do say there's a month for every year you've had them in. And that's just not scientific guys. It's just not right. That I would love to it can almost make you feel really disempowered when, because the first time I heard that I'm like calculating it. I'm like, dear God, like, I'm not going to feel better for like seven or eight years. (laughs) It's so silly. And I, I get why people do it because we want answers and it it does. It gives you kind of like that, that hope to look forward to, but here's what I would say. Your something to remember is that your body needs certain nutrients and certain vitamin levels, mineral levels in order to function properly and to be able to detox. We have built-in detox organs. They're just not functioning at this point when you have BII because everything's so overburdened and it's like, I'm shutting down. I'm just helping you survive and I can't do any more after that. So I would say focus. If you can get a, a functional medicine test to see exactly what you're deficient in, that would be beautiful. Focus on flooding your body with nutrients. That is going to help you detox the quickest. But You also need to, again, let's go back to how healthy were you before you got these implants? Because the only way we start showing symptoms generally is when I like to use the example of a rain barrel. We might start feeling kind of crummy. The rain barrel starts to fill. The rain barrel starts to fill. Nobody ever notices a rain barrel unless it's overflowing in the yard, right? We're like, what just happened? That's your symptoms. All of a sudden you've got headaches, you've got all these things. And it's like, Oh, that hit me out of nowhere. I woke up yesterday and I felt crummy. 
Okay. It took a lot of years to get us there. So support your body, flood it with nutrients. Do not put a timeline on this. And remember that healing is not linear. Some days, just like after surgery, you wake up and you're like, I am super woman. Like this is amazing. <laughs> Next day, you're like, I'm going to sleep for 10 hours. What just happened? I'm sick. I'm terrible. I'm giving up on this. Don't do that. Right. Continue to do the things that work. Know that your body's going to feel better some days than others, but keep pushing through now to give you some sort of number, because I know everyone wants to hear a number and it's not fair if I don't say something <laughs> usually for a liver detox, I put people through a formal liver detox protocol for 21 days. That's an, I would say an aggressive detox. So when like I had a woman in our, um, Facebook healing group say, Oh my goodness. So she added up the time too. She was like, I need to be detoxing for 15 months. And I think that's crazy. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, yes, do do all the things I said, do the basics, the nutrition, the lifestyle, the environment, all those things do a formal detox protocol with a health practitioner. I do 21 days to really boost those toxins out of your body. And then continue on with those lifestyle recommendations, nutrition, and maybe some supplements. Most people feel better, much better within a year, right? You're not healed. That does not mean you're back to baseline, but within a year, most people I work with are feeling amazing. So that's, that's my not very good answer for how long no, it's an honest answer. And I think that that's what people, they need, they need to have honest answers. They need. And I think that that's because we are, we live in a society that wants these microwave results all the time. Right. It's like, how can I lose weight faster? How can I feel better faster? How can I make money faster? How can I have success faster? How can I this, that, and the other. And so everything is always just like, so, so quick all the time. And it doesn't understand like the body as amazing as it is and everything that it can do. I mean, it's literally, it blows my mind what the body can do in just, just sitting here right now, like all the organs and everything it's doing right now, just to keep me alive. It's amazing, but it's also a delicate system. And like what you were saying with the rain bucket, if it takes a long period of time for things to slowly start to evolve, we have to understand like it takes time for the body. It can be very resilient, but I think we have these expectations of if I'm not feeling better by this point, then something's not working. I think that's the biggest lesson I've been learning, especially since I've been healing my body. And then, you know, when I had EBV, you know, and that really can take a long time for your body to really bounce back from on top of, you know, everything else that was going on in my gut health and, you know, detoxing from BII and all of that. It was, it was a lot. And so I feel like a good tip for somebody who's listening to this and, you know, they're still listening like, well, I wish Jenny would have just given me like a, a solid number and it would have been a better number. You know, even a year seems so long. I'm trying to set little mini goals that are more focused around like, like little things. So I've been on a lot of different supplement protocols. Um, and so when my natural path didn't add in a new supplement or didn't change things around, she was like, Oh no, I think what we're doing right now is good. Or we can actually decrease this down. I was like, that's a win. Right. And like, I'd celebrate that. Or I was going in and seeing her every month. And now all of a sudden she's like, I think we're going to give you two months. And I was like, oh, that means that I'm like, I'm progressing. So it's like, 
little things like that, that now that I'm focusing on over the, like, you know, am I feeling 100% better yet? Or have I started to lose all the extra weight that I had put on? Excuse me. Um, I'm trying to focus on these other little tiny milestones. I feel like when we can allow ourselves to look at those mini wins, like it helps in this, like, like you were saying, it's a journey of healing. It's not just this, like we're reaching an end goal and then we're like done. Right. Right. Absolutely. I agree with you. One of the things that I do with clients is let's set a goal for these two weeks, right? Like let's, let's make a goal. What do you want to see in these two weeks? What realistically measurably can we achieve in these two weeks? Because you're right. If you think about a year from now, it's like, oh, (laughs) that's going to take us forever to get there. But next week or the week after, that's not that bad, right? If I don't have headaches every day in these next two weeks, that's huge. Think about how much better your days will be. So I love that. Yes. I think like reminding everybody to, you know, you just, you make a plan that feels good for you and your body, right. And not compare it to other, other people's health journeys and where they're at. Um, because just like you were saying, you know, there's a a lot of different symptoms that pop up for people, you know, everybody's healing journey is going to look so completely differently. And so just kind of like working together with a practitioner that really is honoring you and your needs and your journey, Um, and like, ultimately just kind of, I feel like that's the time to put the blinders on. Right. And not get too sucked into like, cause I, you know, I can get on Instagram and start following all the people and like all their explant journeys. And I'm like, why are they this? And they're there and they're, they're working out and they're looking amazing. And I feel like I'm over here and I haven't gotten this, like, just kind of like, just focus on you and your path through all of it. Every woman could agree with you right there, whether they have BII or not, Right, <laughs> you know, we all do it, you know, and we, it's, it's not um, a conscious thing. It, it just, it happens and we compare and we wish. And um, so I can't even believe we, I didn't touch on this yet, but one of the things we work on every single week with our private clients is mindset developing Mm -hmm. a mantra because that has to be the first thing. And I know every time I put a video out on Instagram, there's an eye roll when they're like, Oh, work on mindset. That's not going to get me better, but it is. You have to switch in your mind. The first thing you do, you have to develop a mantra. Like this is going to get me well. I need to get rid of the negative. What ifs, what if this doesn't work? What if I have BII forever? No, no. What if this changes your entire life? What if you just committed to this and you saw it through and you're so much better for it? Because if we, we let those little mindset, mindset slips come in, which we all do, but if we let them take over, that's not going to help us any. Right. And we know that the mind and body have the strongest connection and that actually fuels real chemical changes inside the body. So adopting optimism, working with someone, if you can't do it on your own, that reminds you every single week, you're safe. This is what you're supposed to be doing. I've got you. That's such a big piece of this, even though I know we're all focused on a lot of the physical stuff that has to be a key component. Oh, a hundred percent. I feel like a lot of the work that I do with women is one, it's, it's listening to their bodies and learning the language in which their body is speaking to them. And in a lot of different ways, not just from like, you know, a chronic illness 
standpoint, just from, you know, just healing and, um, you know, traumas and wounds and things that we're carrying, but this piece of just like feeling safe and feeling safe in our body, right? Like in these signals that we're receiving, they're just messages from our body, letting us know that something is off, right? And something doesn't feel correct. And the more that we can just honor that, but I loved how you said, like bringing in people that honor that too, and have you feel safe in their care. That is so imperative of be in a safe space, because I feel like that's how your body then can even further relax into the state and the ease that it needs so that it can get even the more support. Because, you know, if you're consistently going into spaces that don't feel safe for the body, like you're saying, it's creating more stress, more anxiety, it's having more trauma responses come up. It's only going to continue to further perpetuate disease in the body because it's not feeling safe in the environment. I think that's a, a huge key component to healing when we're looking at like, how can we overall support the body in its, in its healing journey? Absolutely. When we're stuck in that fight or flight response, whether that be from a thought or a bear chasing us, our body has the same physical response. That cortisol goes up, that adrenaline goes up, and that's not a place where we heal from, unfortunately. And in 2021, we are <laughs> constantly in that fight or flight space. So we really have to work on not only that physical healing, but do I need to write a gratitude list? Do I need to meditate? What works for me? You know, meditating, maybe that doesn't work for you. You hate it, whatever it is. Let's find something where you can feel safe, calm, and in that rest and repair mode that our body can get into. We just have to coach it a little bit. Yes. Oh my gosh, this conversation has been amazing. And I feel like we could go on for literally forever, <laughs> you guys. Um, but I do want to uh, be able to make sure that this episode is not too long. I feel like, you know, I can ramble for forever on things. Um, I want to be able to make sure that if people have more questions or they feel like they need support, whether it's, you know, they're heading into their explant journey or they're in the middle of it or they're post-explant uh, what are ways that they can connect with you, Jenny, or work with you if they're feeling like they need that extra support? Absolutely. So our Instagram page is, you mentioned at the beginning, toxic.boops. We also have a free Facebook community. If you just look up BII holistic healing, it's kind of long. So if you type that in, you should be able to find us, but it's I can perfect. go ahead and put it in the show notes. Okay, for perfect. Everybody. You guys, I will link the Instagram. I will link the Facebook. I will link all the things. Perfect. Perfect. And you can find me. My own personal thing is at Jenny Bronco wellness on Instagram. However, um, obviously I will bring you through the toxic boobs channel. But I mean, if you want to DM me, I personally answer all my messages. I'm happy to give you some guidance, get you on our calendar. If you need, you know, a free call just to kind of talk through how we can help, how we can work together and learn more about us. That is amazing. And I, I love, love, love when people are, are available to be like, hey, reach out to me in the DMS, ask me some questions. I'm here for you. I think that the most important thing that I stress is that, you know, when women come together in our healing, like massive growth can occur because a lot of times we isolate ourselves and think we're the only one or we're all alone. And we have to recognize that there's so many women out there right now that are in our same path and in our same journey. And there's so many women that can help us and support us. All you have to do is just reach a hand out and ask for help. So if you're listening to this, 
such a great reminder. If you're needing help support, obviously, please reach out to Jenny. I'm also always available in my DMs. If anybody ever wants to talk to me or ask me anything, by all means, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, and I just say thank you again, Jenny, for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge around BII and your story. It was such a pleasure having you on and chatting more. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope to hear from some of you soon. Thank you. So you guys, if you loved this episode, which I'm sure you did, it was such a good one and it was so informative. Please, please, please share this episode with your girlfriends, with your audience, especially those, you know, that you feel like maybe they're struggling right now. Maybe they have implants. Maybe they don't know, you know, about BII. This is a a big conversation that needs to get louder. More and more women need to hear about this. You know, I feel like we're just scratching the tip of the iceberg with this. So the more that we can share this, the more we can elevate this conversation more. I think the more women we're going to really be able to better help and support and also start making that shift and change in the medical system that greatly needs to be shifted when it comes to implants. So please help and support us in doing that by sharing this episode with your friends and following. It means so much. And I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode.